God, we, uh, we do believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe, um, um, as one of the ancient creeds says, that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and the giver of life. And I pray that you would give us life in our, not just in our eyes and our hearts, but in the, the spiritual eyes, our spirit, the hearts, the parts we can't see. Would your Holy Spirit be active and working and moving in ways we, um, that we know it's him and we know what you're asking us to do. So thank you for the Holy Spirit. Help us as we look into your word today to know what he's telling us. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So I had, uh, just so you know, I had Sermon A planned this week, and I switched on like Thursday just because of some different events happening. I'll explain that here in a second. But um, So a couple, many years ago, I was at a church function, not this church, but I was at a church function and they had like, it was, a, it was an outreach kind of thing. And they had um, people, so people were there that weren't church people. And they had somebody share their testimony as kind of a way to encourage people who weren't Christians to follow Jesus. And this was their basic testimony. I'm, I'm not saying this to mock it. I'm just saying this what it is. And it got me thinking about a lot of things years ago. This person said, when I was a kid, I used to dream that I would be a fireman have a red pickup truck and a beautiful wife with the dog in the back of the pickup truck. I decided to become a Christian, and lo and behold, guess what my life is like now? I'm a fireman. I have a red pickup truck. I have a beautiful wife sitting next to me and a dog in the back. Amen. And I remember when he, when, he didn't say amen, but I thought, I don't think that's the gospel. I mean, I know it's not the gospel. You follow Jesus, and you basically, the, the, the message he was communicating was, and again, I, I think he was well-intentioned, and maybe just as what, he, what he, the message he was communicating was, if you follow Jesus, you'll, you'll live the American dream. And you know people, if not you, yourself, um, that's not how it's fleshed out for you. I mean, it's not fleshed out that way for Sadie and Aaron. Didn't flesh that way out for Judy when she had cancer. Randy's mom just died. I mean, that's not red pickup truck, beautiful wife, dog in the back. I get the job I always want. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't give us the desires of our heart. But somehow, sometimes the gospel gets perverted to you follow Jesus and all is okay. Therefore, if all is not okay, your assumption is I must have screwed up somewhere. But sometimes if we follow Jesus, all is not okay. And in the all, all is not okay world, we've got to figure out how do I still follow Jesus in a world that's not okay? In my world, it's not okay. And the Gospel of Matthew, which we'll look at for the next few months, I'm actually t- I've just titled the whole series, Follow Jesus, because there's nobody like him. You know, Matthew follows him, other disciples follow him, and there's other places where Jesus invites people to follow him, but he never invites people to follow him into an easy American dream. And you might say, or I might say, well, does that mean that Christianity is just grit your teeth? And No, it's not. There's promises Jesus makes, but it's not always, if ever, <laughs> red pickup truck, beautiful wife, dog in the back, job, job of your dreams. Again, the Bible says God gives us our, the dreams in our heart. 
So I, I was thinking about this, so I thought I was kind of looking through uh, Matthew this week, and then part of it was spurred by, again, Sadie and Aaron's journey and Riley, and, and I talked to John Kensick about leading worship, and then Soren had COVID, and then I was thinking about you know, Judy having cancer and Randy's mom dying and other conversations I've had with some of you about some family issues that are just hard for you to, how do you respond to these situations that are hard? They're not like the red pickup truck kind of life you thought. Like that. And then a couple days ago, I was up where I went to college because David was visiting for a football visit up at Wheaton College. And I was talking to a friend of mine I knew from college who has a brother in prison because he abused his adoptive daughter. He has a brother-in-law that died and the relationships are hard. And it was just, I, I was just overwhelmed with this sense of sometimes following Jesus, sometimes life is just hard. And following Jesus is, is their biggest, how do you follow Jesus through hard things? And I'm not talking about following Jesus when you're being persecuted. All the stories, you know, whether it's Aaron and Sadie or Randy's mom dying or Judy having cancer or other issues I know I've talked to you about, it's not where you're being persecuted. It just means you don't have the red pickup truck kind of life, and you've got to figure out, how do I follow Jesus through situations that are hard? Not that, like I said, not that the Christian life is, I thought about this just a couple days ago, the Christian life isn't just eat your vegetables now and you'll get dessert when you get to heaven when you die. That's not the Christian life. But there are hard things we have to process through right now. And so I was, I was looking at, uh, and what spurred this too was a journal entry that Sadie made, I think a week ago, a week and a half ago, that I almost started crying when I read it. If you've read it there, they're carrying bridge, the journal stuff. But I'm going to read what she wrote, and I, she told me it was okay to read it, but you know, she posted it publicly, and when, when does Sadie ever hide anything from anybody, right? So, but this is when they had some unexpected things with Knox, which seems like that's to be expected part of their journey now. They should, and I think they do expect unexpected. But um, she was writing about, she says, this is Wednesday, January 5th. However, as my brain was trying to process what this would all look like for the next couple of weeks, I thought, God is not surprised he has a plan. And I'm not sure to remember when Snock attacked Warren, they did not know ahead she was going to be Down syndrome. And I can still remember the text or the announce, how they announced it to people was, to our surprise, but not to God's surprise. Knox had Down syndrome. So she says, God is not surprised. He has a plan. He is good. His plans are good. We will trust and do this. And then she writes this next paragraph about following him. And I thought this was one that I, I've, I've told them before. They, this needs to become a devotional book, all their journal entries. But I'm not saying that to trite. I just, she said, I don't, many, I don't mean any of this tritely. She said that. Aaron and I do not follow Jesus as a crutch. We follow him because we believe he is real and alive and intimately involved in every detail of our lives. We believe Jesus lived, died, and raised from the grave. We do not believe there is any historical or scientific evidence to reasonably explain away his resurrection from the grave. So we follow him and we choose to believe his word. I read that and I thought, wow. Part of me thinks, how can they say that with what they're going through? But I know how they can say that because I know Satan and Aaron and I know there's a groundedness that's driven by the Holy Spirit inside of them. And I thought, that's what I hope for me and I hope that for all of us, that when those hard things hit, we can say, uh, we don't follow Jesus as a crutch, we follow him because he's real, alive, and intimately involved in our lives. And, and 
So how do we follow him in those situations? Again, we, you know, Jesus called Matthew is unlikely. And other times in the gospel, so I just kind of scanned the gospel of Matthew ahead of time. I would probably do this usually at the end of a series, talking about things we can see. But following Jesus was a theme of Jesus. He talked about that. So I'm just going to scan a little bit. In Matthew 8, um, said there was some, some teacher of the religious law yelled out to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus kind of gave a response like, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, all right? Great intention, but it's harder than you think. That's kind of what Jesus said to the guy. I will follow you wherever you go, but it, there's going to be hard times. That was Matthew 8. And then there's another situation in Matthew 10 where Jesus just says, you know, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you know, stop. and like, wait a minute, take up my cross. Is that part of the deal? Can't we just follow you? Do we have to take up a cross? Take up a cross meaning there is going to be hardship. And again, I think some of that could be persecution. All right? that's, some of that's part of the reality of following Jesus. But the things I've been thinking and interacting with people about lately aren't persecution. It's just I've got to figure out how do I, how do I respond to the situations life has thrown me, people, family, family members. How do I do that in a way that I'm rock solidly following Jesus? Especially when I've been maybe even rocked off the horse. I don't remember those, remember those punching bag things used to pop back up. What do they call those things? There's a name for them. Had sand in the bottom, you knock it off and it popped back up. Sometimes there's things in life that knock us over and for some reason the gravity doesn't pop it back up. But how do we, how do we become the kind of people that, no, I'm going I'm to keep following Jesus. So, this, so Jesus, when he talks about following him, like in that situation in Matthew 10... He talks about if you claim to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life for me, you're going to find it. That's part of following Jesus. If you cling to, if you cling to the American dream, if you cling to the red pickup truck, beautiful wife, dog in the back, fireman kind of, if you cling to that, you're going to lose it. But if you, if you let it go and trust Jesus to bring, then you're going to find something way better than a red pickup truck, beautiful wife. I was going to say beautiful dog, but the dog's probably beautiful too. Beautiful wife, dog, fireman kind of life, all right? If that's what you're dreaming for, Jesus says, I have more than that for you. And so, uh, but, but he says those things like, pick up your cross, give up your life. And then in Matthew 16, you might, you, most of you will remember this um, Jesus starts telling the disciples, hey, um, the Son of Man is going to be arrested and crucified and die. And the disciples, who probably still had what I'll call the red pickup truck philosophy of religion, because they thought that Jesus came to make the world better for them again. And Jesus talks about that. And what does Peter say? Jesus, stop talking about that stuff. That's not going to happen to you. Don't talk about hardship. And what does Jesus say to Peter? He says, get, get behind me, Satan. I mean, it's kind of harsh. He says, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus says to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, all right, following Jesus, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you'll find it. So it's a sense, again, of if, if, you're going to hang, if you're going to hang on to your American dream version of Christianity, 
it's probably not going to happen. You're going to lose it. If you hang on to that picture of the red pickup truck dog in the back, beautiful wife, fireman, if you're going to hang on to that, you're, you're not going to get it. And I would even say, even if you get it, you're not getting it at all, a fraction of what Jesus has to offer you. But he says, if you're willing to lose your life, let go, uh, stop clinging to what you think ought to be happening, and trust what Jesus says to do, which means... And, and again, in some of the situations I've mentioned and some of the ones I've talked to, that means, okay, there's, following Jesus means you have to be able to embody and offer a radical kind of forgiveness to people who've hurt you. It means you might have to offer a radical kinds of generosity toward people who have hurt you or situations that have thrown you for a loop. It means you have to have this rock-solid trust that even though there's 20 potholes in the road in front of you. Your car will make it through, so to speak, through life. You know, how, I'm, I'm confident this is what God wants to do, so I'm going to go this direction. But things like forgiveness and generosity and being merciful, being honest, being truthful. A lot of the situations that you and I face and the ones I've talked about, it's probably easy to say, well, I'm gonna, I, don't think, I think God's not pulling through on this one, so I want to figure it out for myself. And I'll do the best I can to make life work. You know, I'll take God when he wants to help me out, but I've, I've got this. I'm going to take the wheel. I'm not sure I know, Jesus knows where he's taking me. But if you stay on the pathway of the kind of person with the Holy Spirit in so they can forgive, show generosity, show mercy, show integrity, and how do you follow Jesus in those situations? Jesus doesn't give any other option. And then the last part of Matthew, and again, these are just a, a scanning of times where Jesus talked about following him. There's a point where a rich, we call it the rich young ruler, comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. You know, I've done everything. I've obeyed all the commands. I'm, I've, I've got a, I got a, I'm getting an A in religion life. And Jesus says, well, that's good, but I want you, I want you to sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And of course, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a commandment for Jesus for all of us, but that's what Jesus, that was that young man's idol was his money. And maybe that's an idol for you, maybe it is for me. But Jesus sometimes will say, you need to let go of the very thing that you are clinging to. And so the young man turned away sad because he had a lot of money. He wasn't willing to follow because he wasn't willing to let go of his, uh, I was going to say American dream, but also called his Jewish dream, you know. He had the dream of, you know, a red chariot with a beautiful wife next to him and a Jewish dog in the back. I don't know what they, you know. But he had a dream, and Jesus wasn't going to uh, help him fulfill his dream, that dream, because Jesus had a bigger dream. And then, so Jesus says that, and then, and then the disciples are watching all this happen, and, and Peter says to Jesus, well, we, and I, I can, you can kind of imagine Jesus, they're watching this, and they're thinking, but we thought we were following you for the American dream, for the, you know, the Jewish dream, David's kingdom back, and we're going to be like powerful people. And Peter says to Jesus, well, we've, we've given up everything to follow you. What do we get? He actually says that. You love Peter's honesty. I've given up everything to follow you. What do we get out of this? I thought we were in it for that. We wanted the red pickup truck. And then, and then Jesus, I'll paraphrase his response, but he says, you know, you're going you're to be asked to give up a lot of your dreams in this life. 
but there's, there's more promised to you than you've ever imagined. And he talks about, and you talk to this in the Gospels too, he talks about this irrational, powerful, supernatural joy that we can have. Joy that the world can't take away from us, he says. And the joy the world can't even come close to giving you. He talks about this irrational, supernatural peace in your soul that will, to most people, make, I mean, it makes no sense to me the kind of peace I see in Aaron and Sadie sometimes. But Jesus promises that kind of peace. You have this peace in your soul that, again, the world can't give you, the world can't take it away. So he talks about this depth of joy and this depth of peace that aren't achieved because you've achieved the American dream. It's achieved because in the midst of whatever life has thrown you, you follow Jesus, you trust him, you, you, you do what he says to do in terms of forgive, be generous, those kind of things. You do those things. You follow him because his spirit's in you. And Jesus said, then you're going to become a kind of person that has the depth and strength of soul, the depth and uh, joy and peace that nothing's going to rock your world. And I don't know about you, but I think you would all say, That's, I want that. We just want to skip the, we'd rather skip the cross, but we can't when Jesus says, take up your cross. So, you know, so it's, following Jesus is just one of my slides, which we don't have, but this, all I said was, I had two slides. One was, follow Jesus, and the second slide was, above it, sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus. And so that was my takeaway. Sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus. Still follow. Because one of the disciples would have said in a later situation, where else do we go? I mean, if we can't follow you, and if that, if, who else? And then the disciple says to Jesus, you alone have the words of eternal life. You're the, one, you're the only one that's, that is showing us how to have life beyond life. And I don't mean eternal life after you die, but an eternal kind of life now where your life is marked by peace and joy and generosity and forgiveness in a way that other people are just like perplexed. Like, who are you? How do you, how do you meet that kind of person? So, like I said, when I was, when I read Sadie and Aaron's post, and then, I, and then I've talked to a number of you and I'm aware of some of the things that, I mean, well, like I said, with Randy's mom passing away or Judy having cancer and some other things I know some of you are dealing with, I thought, life is hard and the, and the, the depth, of, the depth of your souls are going to be forged in those moments when you choose to follow Jesus during the hard moments. Um, I've told Aaron and Sadie this, and I also told, I don't know if you remember, years ago there was a couple at our church, Jim and Juliana Geezer, and they had a two- or a three-year-old daughter that just died in her sleep one night. And I told them this, and I told the same thing to Aaron and Sadie. I, I told Jim and Juliana, I said, I, it's, weird, it's weird to say this, but I envy you. I said, I don't envy you having a daughter that died in her sleep. Absolutely not. I'm not trying to be trite about that. But I envy you because I see you developing a relationship with Jesus in the midst of that that I, I'm, I don't have. Because I haven't had to f f process what it means to follow Jesus and interact with Jesus in the midst of that kind of devastation. So in that sense... Because I remember when they were talking about, and I've talked to them since then, and I just thought, they've really responded well to the trauma in their life in a way that they follow Jesus in a deeper way than I do.
So, and I'm I'm not asking any of us to invite trauma into our lives. Of course, nobody wants that. But it seems like it's in those moments uh, that Jesus is telling us that's that's when joy and peace are forged inside of us. And that was Jesus' life himself. I was talking about this. So my wife's in Minneapolis with Gretchen for Gretchen. That's a medical procedure done. But, and I was talking on the phone with this. And sometimes my wife will, well, often she'll give me input about my sermons. Um, but she said, you know, what, what I realized was Jesus knows what it's like to be us. Because he didn't have a red pickup truck kind of life. He, didn't have, he even said, I don't, I don't even have a place to lay my head. I don't have a house. I don't have a home. And he knew he was going to go through tension with the Pharisees and disciples leaving him and Judas betraying him and, and then, of course, death and I mean, torturing and being arrested and death. He knew that. He knows what it's like to be us. So there's nothing any of us are going through, those of you who are going through even more severe stuff, that Jesus is unaware of and it, he knows what it feels like. So if nothing else, Jesus knows, uh, he knows. And when Aaron, when Sadie wrote in that blog post, you know, he is intimately involved in our lives. So Jesus is intimately involved in our lives, especially in those hard moments. And, uh, and it's not, like I said, it's not Christianity. It's not grit your teeth and endure the hard stuff because you get a home in heaven after you die. That's not really the gospel. The gospel is right now, you're going, to have, you're going to have to deal with life, but right now you have an advocate inside of you, the Holy Spirit, who will bring to you and refine in you the depth of joy and, and peace and generosity and forgiveness that you can never imagine. And yeah, that, that continues in the life after we die, but the, the promises of Jesus were for na- the now life as well as the then life. And so... Um, that's what I wanted to share today. Like I said, I had another sermon prepared. Because we are going to actually start in Matthew 1. And just to, just to, just to get your excitement you know, for, for next week, next week I'm doing most of the passages where it's all this. This person begat this person. This person begat this person. That person. This is the father. I mean, it's the kind of chapter you kind of skim over really fast because you're not quite sure why it's in the Bible. But there's some really interesting things for it. That's Matthew chapter 1. We are going to kind of go through Matthew and look. But the whole theme of Matthew... Uh, is following Jesus. And Matthew wrote it to other Jewish people, that to other religious people, to convince them, hey, follow this guy, because there's nobody like him, and he's what's been promised to us throughout the ages. So we're going to start that next week in Matthew 1, but I just kind of want to do a big overview of following Jesus, given the reality that I know a lot of you have been walking through lately and... Uh, and from those I've talked to, walking through in a way that I think really honors Jesus. Because, um, yes, we complain, we get upset when things don't go like we want, but just like Job did, it's like, no, but I'm still going to follow. You know, right? when, Job, when things weren't going right in Job's life, and you remember this, his wife actually said to him, well, Job, God's, God, God's not giving you the red pickup truck, so... She actually says to Job, curse God and die. And, and, and I'll paraphrase that. Just give God the middle finger and walk away because he's not doing his job. And Job's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow him. All right? So, um, so we, uh, we do communion every week. 
I was just going to say Aaron's going to come up and lead us, but Aaron's not here, so he's not going to come up and lead us in singing, but we're going to still take communion. And I actually have a song uh, I'm going to play, but you'll know the song. Um, but we, when Jesus, the Last Supper, he's telling the disciples, this is my body and my blood shed for you. Every time you eat this, every time you drink this, you're proclaiming this radical forgiveness for the whole rest of the world. And you are proclaiming that you are a different kind of person because you have me inside of you. So no matter what you're facing in life, you have me inside of you. I'm with you. I'm not leaving, he says. So um, this song, I know, I know most of you know this song, and I think it's an easy song. Um, but it's, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. All right? And you might know that song, and, but it's kind of a fun song. You know, for me, it's an old song growing up, but it's like, what is it like for Aaron and Sadie to sing that song? What is it like for Randy to sing that song, or Judy to sing that song, or others of you I've talked to that have hard things going on in your life? I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. I'm not stopping. I'm not going to veer off on a different path. 